2: This is the Game Football Podcast from The Times. Today, Chelsea win themselves a second Champions League title. What went so right for Thomas Tuchel and so wrong for Pep Guardiola? We'll discuss the England squad as they bring in preparations for Euro 2020. What's it like behind the scenes at a major competition? And welcome to the Premier League, Brentford. This is The Game. I'm Hugh Woodencroft to help me through it all. Tom Roddy, Matt Lawton and Matt Dickinson. Gentlemen, how are you? Good morning, Hugh. How are you doing? I'm very well. I'm very well. How how are you, Tom Roddy? I'll start with a, a, a weekend in Porto that was probably one to remember, especially as you were with Matt, weren't you? Exactly. Yeah. Me, me <laughs> a weekend right. with me is always one to remember. Yes, no,
3: it was <laughs> romantic strolls down the Douro River. No, it was uh, it was great, Tom, wasn't it? Great to be there.
1: It was fantastic. Yeah, really good, at, especially after the last year and going to going to empty stadiums constantly to um even with the, the few scuffles that did happen it was the atmosphere was incredible you and matt scuffling were you, well, you that <laughs> <some
2: interesting>. <laughs> <laughs> gentlemen just read, in, in the vein of tom clark that was over
3: who was going to pay the uh pay the bar bill um yeah no it was uh it, i don't know how it came over on the tv but it felt like a hundred thousand in there to be honest i don't you know i don't know whether that was just i mean it's a great stadium anyway but whether just because Everyone else was so chuffed to be there, but it really did feel
2: like a, a banging atmosphere. Um, I do hope that came over on the on the TV. It felt like a good Champions League final, if that makes sense, for, for once. I had the feeling going into it that we would see a good game. I think we could have seen a, an even better game and we'll get to Manchester City in a moment. But we have to start with Chelsea. Congratulations uh, to them winning their second Champions League title, a 1-0 win over City in Porto. Uh, The record for the least goals conceded on the way to a Champions League victory just for Kai Havertz with his first goal in the competition this season. And that was the decider, of course. But you have to give credit to the victors, as I say, especially the manager Thomas Tuchel uh, and Chelsea as well. But Matt Dickinson, I will ask you what you felt being inside the stadium was the key to their win.
3: I think what was the key to them getting there? It was, you know, the the, clarity of organisation, of purpose and players who were willing to perform those tasks to the you know they could have i think i wrote on the night that you know you you could still have had rudiger and uh aspilicueta tackling 24 hours later they were i mean i just thought they were kante inevitably and deservedly got all the main plaudits he was you know we, we're so used to seeing him you know pop up in 10 places all at the same time and it, even by his standards he was astonishing but i'd have i didn't think too far behind him particularly with rudiger and azpilicueta i thought they they had a difficult task because you know that we know the city the way they move you know can flummox and pull defenders out of the way but they had a brilliant knack of Closing, you know, striding out defence to close down if necessary. Somehow, always, always being there to do those sort of blocks for the cutbacks as well. And yeah, I mean, I, I just thought, I thought they were they were sensational in defence. Um, I mean, there were great performances everywhere. But you know, you just know with that Chelsea team that once they get one 0
2: up you would back them to defend against any team. And and so it proved. Matt Lawson, how much credit do you think the manager Thomas Tuchel deserves after coming in when Frank Lampard was dismissed uh, in January, I think?
4: I think he deserves massive credit. And I think one of the things that struck me watching it from home, uh, because Tom and Matt probably weren't aware of this, but it it was quite strange on Saturday night. There are a lot of comments uh, on social media sort of wanting to acknowledge the role that Lampard played uh, in the success uh, on Saturday night and I was kind of thinking I'm not really sure about that because I, I, look he did a decent job in in, in, the, in the relatively brief time that he was in charge Lampard but I think what Tuchel has demonstrated since he took charge of Chelsea and and, and I bow to, to the sort of you know the, the fact that Tom and Matt have probably seen a lot more than Chelsea and I have this season which is in, in the flesh at nothing uh, because of the job I do for the times but I just I just thought he I just thought he he, he Tuchel exposed Lampard's inexperience as a manager and, and I think what Tuchel has done since he since he you know sometimes it's very hard to define what managers actually do what coaching is but I think he's perfectly demonstrated the contrast between the Chelsea pre-January and post-January is massive and, and, and they suddenly became a team that could defend. They suddenly became a team that was organized. You know, as, as we saw on Saturday night, was a team that was had balance and structure and a plan against the team that had kind of been thrown together on the whim of a manager and, 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 and you know. And the end result was a one 0 victory for Chelsea. Um, so I think he deserves far more credit than he was getting. Because as I say, I was slightly stunned by the, the the sort of the wish by a lot of people, and I'm talking prominent sort of commentators saying, "Oh, we must recognise the, the the role that Lampard played." I'm thinking, "Now come on, give the guys some credit here. You know, he, he, he's taken them to a whole other level," and 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 I think that needs to be to, to be recognised.
2: Tom Roddy, what did you make of the game? Of course, you're inside the stadium. Uh, the positive things when it comes to Chelsea that they, they did on the night, there were a couple of big decisions to make. Firstly, in terms of the team selection for Chelsea, they got those right. And also the performance, which as Matt alluded to
1: already, couldn't have been far better than, than what they showed. No, exactly. I was actually struck as well by the, the sort of celebrations at the end and the the, the guys on the, on the peripheries of that team who were completely... Um, overcome with sort of emotion and the joy of it all. And it, 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 it said something about what Thomas Tuchel has done there in that he's created this united team, which, which they weren't before he came in at all. There was sort of, there was infighting going on. And that was his first, the, the first thing that he said to the team when he met them was, if we're going to be successful, we need to be, uh, we need to work together rather than against each other. And and that's what they did. Um, that was what they did in Porto. Because, uh, as Matt said said quite rightly, you 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 saw that Lampard team, and and when you compare the two, I mean, even even picking out Rhys James as one example, I, I've never seen him defend as he did in Porto. And I think that is a lot of that is down to Thomas Tuchel. I think part of his. The, the questioning over who should be England's right back—he was seen as more of an attacking player, Rhys James. But Thomas Tuchel has brought out this, this shown the balance that he has. I mean, Andreas Christensen is is a player who's been seen as as unreliable and quite fragile, and has a mistake in him over the last sort of couple of years, and especially at the beginning of this season. And he came into a game in the 36th minute into the Champions League final when they've lost Thiago Silva, who was the most experienced player in that team. And he just slotted in perfectly. I mean, he he was there was a big opportunity, I think it was Aguero had at the end, and and every single one of the six defenders who played in the back made last-ditch tackles. It wasn't like... City didn't get opportunities, they did. It was just Chelsea were so organised and so determined that, that they, couldn't, they couldn't make it count. Tom, do you think it's a new deal already on the table for, for Tuchel? Yeah, it was, it was quite funny that, that that was the first time that Thomas Tuchel and Roman Abramovich had met in the, in the, on, the, on the pitch at the drag out. Uh, and, and as Tuchel said, it, it, it can kind of only really go down from here he delivered the champions league for him um but they met again yesterday morning after the morning after the final um and the talks went well and i think we'll see a a new contract uh with a, a year extension and an option for another uh, announced within <clears throat> maybe today maybe the next couple of days uh which is completely understandable i mean the the thing with this, the, the comparisons between, or the contrast between 2012 and this year, that was a team that kind of came, 2012 was a team that came to the end, was coming to the end of, of, of their sort of cycle. Whereas this team, this group, feels like one which is is almost at the beginning. This is so far ahead of schedule. And I think Tuchel was, was the man who, sort of pulled it all together and sees himself staying there for for a while i i I still think it'll be interesting to see what happens over transfers if he doesn't get the transfers he'd like but that could lead to some fallouts
2: we will see but i think roman Abramovich has to be confident that he's got the right man in charge Uh, as you say having been delivered the champions league in his first meeting with the boss but um but yeah i think we're gonna have to put up with a decade of of this player as a Champions League winner every time an English player, young English player now, uh, has a bad game, whether it be Rhys James or Mason Mount from here on out. So let's hope they don't have a dip in form because they will, of course, in the best possible way, uh, have that hanging over them, if you see what I mean. Um, And look, there are players in this Chelsea team that I think we do have to talk about. We'll come to Manchester City shortly, but Matt Dickinson, you mentioned him already, the man of the match, N'Golo Conte. Is he now a footballing legend?
3: (laughs) well, he already was in uh, in Leicester. Um, he must be. He must be uh, most of the way there at, uh, in West London. I mean, it, he's. I think. I mean, a he's just a marvel to watch. In that, you know, sometimes you really do think, "Hang on a minute, I, you know, I just saw him tackling in that box. What the hell's he doing? How's he got back? You know, it's almost like there's some sort of magic illusion going on. He's his timing of just being able to sort of uh, that sixth sense of, you know. I'm going to win the second ball here. He just has this incredible knack. I mean, the energy, I think the humility that he shows is, is very touching. I think that's the, you know, people see that he is the last one to go up and grab the trophy. You know, when they do these presentations, you know, they're all, you see, you see the sort of eager ones who are like, give it to me as fast as possible. I want my picture. And he's always the one sort of loitering slightly shyly at the back. And it's just the fact he's winning all the biggest honors in the game, and and I think on top of that, I just think you know we've seen you know the Messi, Ronaldo sort of Ballon d'Or era, uh, and rightly so. I mean, it's just you know it's fantastic to see it. And then someone like a Modric comes along, and a, a, a different player, but a sort of creative schemer. It would just be fantastic for the game to see someone like Kante given not just you know winning the big the biggest. Uh, you know, um, club and country honours, but to, to maybe even the biggest individual honours, just to show that the game every, you know, every great team could do with a kante in it. I mean, there's, is there any
2: side that would not be better for him? I, I can't think of one. Chelsea legend Ashley Cole describing him as a, a Claude McAuley plus extras. Five years now since he won the title at Leicester since then he's been a runner up in the Europa League final and at Euro 2016. He's played in four FA Cup finals. He's won it once. He's won a Europa League. He's won a Premier League, another Premier League with Chelsea. He's won the World Cup, of course, now the Champions League as well. And he didn't play in the top flight in France until 2014. Matt Lawton, where do you think he ranks beside the best midfielders of his generation?
4: I agree with Ashley Cole. I think he is McAlealy with extras because I think he's more dynamic than the sort of Deschamps, um, uh, McAlealy kind of players. Um, I think he's more, although his character on the pitch is nothing like it, he has the sort of dynamism that that Keane had uh, in his absolute uh, prime at United and and for Ireland. You know, it's just that kind of... Um, He's a player that just I think because I think, cause I think the, the, the key difference and it was certainly evident in the first half an hour on Saturday night was was just that Chelsea were just more there was they, they, they were more tenacious they, they, they were just, just more up for it weren't they 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 stayed they, they stepped up onto the big stage and and, and clearly mentally were, were more ready for it than city were and 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 he I thought epitomized that attitude, that, you know, that, 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 that commitment to the game. And, and he has done again. You know, yeah. Say, you know, he, he's, he's virtually got the full set. You know, he, he's runner up in the European Championship in 2016, but he's got everything else. And who, who says they, who says they won't do it this summer, you know? Um, so, um, no, he, he, he's a special player. All, all the best teams have somebody like that. Um, you know the, 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 you know the sort of brazil teams we saw in 2002 the, the the great german teams we've seen as i said the french teams whether it's deschamps or Makaleli, um you need a player like that and 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 what i think what guardiola forgets is that his best barcelona teams had somebody like busquets and and it's just odd that he we'll get on to this but it's just very odd that he didn't pick the bloke that does that job for City um, because it, it was exposed as, uh, as a mistake because you you know the successful teams have someone performing that role and he's as good as they as good as they get in that position.
2: Yeah congratulations to Chelsea and N'Golo Conte a second Champions League title. It was improbable really when you thought about it when Thomas Tuchel came into the job but yes he's done fantastically well and again they performed when it really mattered. Matt Lawton, I think you're absolutely right about that you saw the two sets of players and for me maybe it got to manchester city's players more but yeah a five-star review from golo conte who didn't flinch at all and remember if you're enjoying the podcast leave us a five-star review as well wherever you can get your uh, podcast from right now of course let's talk about manchester city because for me they were beyond disappointing it started with the team selection tom roddy you asked pep guardiola after the game if he had any regrets, do you think he will? And if so, what, what will he regret?
1: Yeah, I think he definitely will. And <clears throat> I also think, I think his his players, his team probably had felt the regrets probably before they'd even kicked off the game the thought of, I thought Fernandinho was certain to play that game. It was um, a couple of weeks ago, I think it was the Everton game, he came in and he's 36 years old. and But the experience that he brought to, to that game, you, you saw the value in it. The, the, there's been an, a, an overhaul and evolution that Guardiola has, has done at City, bringing players through, moving players on, which we've seen with Aguero. But Fernandinho in, in that central defense midfield position offers so much and and that's why we thought he would play ahead of Rodri because he has the kind of experience and nows to play to play in those big games and, and neither of them were there and I, I remember in Monday's uh, pod we were talking about the idea of Pep overthinking the game and and, and being we, we didn't think he would because of him being so confident this year but I, I just wondered whether Thomas Tuchel, being the, the tactician he is and the battles they've had before in Germany when Tuchel was at Mainz and Dortmund and, and, and Guardiola was at Bayern, whether whether he would. And it seemed like he did. And, and it was just, everyone says it's easy to say in hindsight, but you looked at that game and thought, well, a, against, we've just spoken about the quality of Kante and against the best player in world football at nipping in and taking the ball and then driving forward i mean the comparisons to to makalele are totally true but he's so much more than that because he's not david silver but he's more than capable of, of driving forward countering and playing playing the perfect pass to a to a teammate he can do that and city were just completely open to it and we saw it with the we saw it with the goal uh, i mean it was a fantastic goal a brilliant pass from Mason Mount quick thinking from Mendy and the goal and also a fantastic run from Timo Werner to to set up to open up that space and pull Diaz out wide but surely if there was a defensive midfielder in there that doesn't happen City aren't so open I, I couldn't believe that they were that open in a Champions League final game so that that was the biggest surprise to me. It was the biggest surprise for, for, for most people, and I think they'll they'll go on to regret it for until until they do it, until they get over the line. Matt Dickinson, can you
2: explain it? No, Fernandinho or Rodri in the starting eleven for the first time in sixty games this season.
3: Well, I mean, I, you know, I think Pep offered his sort of cursory. You know, he looked he looked pretty sort of shell shocked. He had this sort of slightly fixed, uh, sort of not really smile, but he just had this sort of slightly glazed expression on him. I, you know, I think he was um, almost punch punched drunk on on Saturday night. I think he explained it by saying he wanted Gundogan to be there because he wanted quicker circulation of the ball. I, I mean, I was really struck. Um, I mean, it's, sure, it's you know, it's not the first time they've done it, but uh, uh, you know, they they lined up, they had kickoff, they had seven men on the halfway line, and basically, I mean, I've written this morning, it was almost like you know, they could have started with a bugle call. The way they just charged, you know, they just absolutely hurtled at Chelsea, and it was almost like they started as if we're going to swarm into you. We we are just going to pin this back. We are going to dominate the ball so much. We're going to circulate it so fast. We are going to ultra press you and you sort of for five minutes you thought wow this is you know this this is clearly going to be you know sort of full-on um we've seen the team selection and we had you know it wasn't just hindsight we had sort of looked at that and thought wow what's he what what has he done here and we saw that strategy in those first five minutes and i think what rattled city was the fact that city, that chelsea weren't rattled i think they expected them to be pinned back expected to get the ball it fast and chelsea because of someone like kante and others started repelling the fire. They started nicking the ball off them. They started driving them back. They started showing that they weren't going to be rattled out of it. And, and you sort of very quickly saw in De Bruyne and in Mares and in Foden that they weren't getting time on the ball. They weren't getting to dominate the ball. They weren't getting it to circulate it as, as they would like. And yeah, it, 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 it fell apart. It felt like that game strategy was being picked apart within 10, 15 minutes. And I think that was the surprise was that I think we were all saying that in the pre- say it. again, it wasn't, you know, we get accused of hindsight enough and pos- possibly fairly, but this was one where we were all talking to each other, looking at each other in, in the press box going, this isn't working. This is not working. And that was the other big surprise, I guess, was that it took,
2: you know, took a good hour before it was changed. I totally agree. I think fourteen minutes was the time officially for me that it was change it pep because um, I think that was when Timo Werner had his second good opportunity to score and they were really lucky for the game still to be goalless. And I think it was evident that they were they were far too open. I've got I've got no idea what he would see.
3: Well, I mean, one thing I would say is that, you know, it's possible. I mean, Fernandinho is 36. You know, I don't think it's it's not necessarily, a, you know, one man chain, you know, Chelsea were Chelsea were fantastic. might have been fantastic, you know, against any um collection of City players. But I do think, you know, it does send a message to a team when a manager makes a decision like that, when he makes it. De- and the other thing, you know, we ought to stress is that he had played Rodri or Fernandinho in 59 of the previous 60 games. So this is a message. This is this is lads. We're doing it differently today. This is not you know, we've got a structure, we're going to stick to our structure. This is guys, you know, I am, I am being bold here. I am trusting you to do something different from the norm. And that, that was what was, so, you know, people can say and have said, and and possibly rightly said, oh, well, you know, could we be sure Fernandinho would have cut, closed down Mason Mount? Could he have cut out that pass? Maybe not. Maybe Chelsea still win. But I do think, you know, that no, what no one can dispute is that Guardiola did say to this team, we are going to do something different and we're going to do it in a, the biggest game in the club's
2: history and when you do that that is a heck of a gamble. Matt Lawton, um, I, with this approach I, I often think with Manchester City you play the perfect game, everyone says how brilliant you are, we all talk about Pep Guardiola as a genius, anything less than the perfect game and they struggle, they struggle to score goals. Kevin De Bruyne who for me is one of the best players in the world full stop but To put him in a position as a false nine where he's almost ahead of the ball a lot of the time, never really gets on it. Had to keep coming deeper to try and get on it. Obviously, eventually had the the bad injury and went off. But it was like Guardiola wasn't getting the message. It it felt, especially for a fan, I think for the fans, it felt like almost a wasted opportunity for the greatest Champions League final of all time because of Guardiola and how he approached it. But how do you think it affects him at the club now? Oh, I think he's
4: he's still on the Premier League title. I I think he's fine. Um, And I think now they will come back. You know, I think the key thing with what happened on Saturday is, you know, we've seen teams have certain deficiencies and still succeed. You know, we watched the France team win the World Cup in 98 without a striker. Now, they did have Zinedine in Zidane and they even had a young Thierry Henry playing wide right. So you know, teams can overcome that. The problem they had on on Saturday night is that they they not only didn't have a pure striker, they didn't have they didn't have anyone winning the ball in midfield. So it's very hard to make up for those deficiencies if 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 you if you're not winning the midfield battle either. Um, So, but no. uh, Guardiola's got enough credit in the bank. Good grief, and I, I don't see him. I don't see him walking away. He he, ne- he now needs to come back. This 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 is a fresh incentive, isn't it, to come back and and get it right. The one thing he hasn't done since he since he left Barcelona is is win the Champions League again. And it is a it is a boil that needs to be pierced, and it's. You know, it's probably a slightly unpleasant analogy that I'm getting into here, but it, it's uh, he, it's going to be even sorer today, isn't it? So, so he does need to he does need to get back there, and he will have the you know we, we've all been you know we've all been writing about the potential arrivals this summer, be it be it Declan Rice or Harry Kane or, or whatever. So he, he's going to address those those deficiencies, but um, uh, you know the, the thing about Guardiola. Hugh, that you got a, you know, and I live in Manchester. He's made a, he's made a pretty big commitment to Manchester, you know, in a way that Mourinho, it was, a, it was a fleeting visit. You know, he, he never moved out of, of the Lowry Hotel. You know, Guardiola's put proper roots down in this city and you know he, you know he's got a home in the city center he's invested in a local restaurant he's you know i know we we there were doubts about his future a year ago before he signed that new contract but he's he's here for the long haul and 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 i don't see I don't see the owners of Manchester City turning around and going, this bloke's not good enough. We need to find a new manager. That's just not going to happen.
2: How long, though, until it starts creeping into the consciousness that it seems like the Champions League and the fact that he hasn't won it now for for 10 years, hasn't won it without Lionel Messi in his side, creeps into the psyche of not just Guardiola, but the, the, the hierarchy at Manchester City as well because... It's the way that he keeps changing in this competition. The way that he keeps trying to surprise everyone and do do something different in the Champions League suddenly, for me, makes people think that that maybe the Champions League is is getting to him in some way.
4: I don't know about that. It took Fergie thirteen years to win the to win the Champions League. You know, it. it, it, it and 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 uh, Matt and I were, you know, young reporters in Manchester when all that was happening, and, and you know, there, there were, you know there were the failures. The, the, you know, the, 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 there was the semi-final against Bruce Dortmund. There was the quarterfinal against Monaco. There was the absolute hiding against Barcelona, you know, uh, albeit restricted by how many foreign players he could pick at that time. But it, it's... <laughs> it's part of the ev- i think i i honestly think yeah he messed up on saturday night but it's part of the evolution of this of the club and the team and and i don't think it's ever a given that that you can win this thing i know chelsea have won it twice and they get, and, and they also got into a final which is remarkable really from sort of relative european novices to suddenly suddenly you know they they, you know, they, they they've reached three finals in whatever it is since 2008 and and, and they've won it twice it's it's a, it's a hell of a record Um, Particularly when he changes the manager as much as he does I just think they'll get it right here yeah we can't sit here and say that Manchester City are not good enough to win the Champions League they are good enough to win the Champions League and if they get Harry Kane it's a great incentive for Harry Kane isn't it to come and finally deliver that big trophy
2: which leads us nicely onto my next question Matt Dickinson does this propel does this force Manchester City to do something big in the excuse me, in the summer transfer market, uh, the likes of Harry Kane or Erling Haaland.
3: Uh, well, I think I, t- I tweeted after about half an hour um, that Harry Kane's value had gone up by another hundred million. I think you know um, you saw Chelsea. I mean, Timo Werner obviously missing missing those chances as we've become accustomed to. But I mean, if Harry Kane had been in either team, you would have backed them to you'd have backed him to have um, filled his boots. To be honest, um, and I, I I just think that he is. A player that would uh, will elevate any of these teams. Chelsea could do with a prolific goal scorer. City, uh, as we've seen, Manion, Man United would benefit hugely from it. And any of these sides, you would think Harry Kane is worth over 100 million quid to them. Now it's going to come down to those resources, isn't it? But yeah, I, I, if you were Harry Kane, you would, as Matt says, you would like, you would very much relish being a on the you know, on the, on the receiving end of, of all the chances that City create and being the guy who can who can take them to another level. Um, he's certainly capable of that. But yeah, I, I don't mean there's any doubt that uh, Pep Guardiola will be sitting down with a board and saying, give me another 100 million, 200 million. And Chelsea and City... Uh, financial fair play rules have been sort of skewed by the by the pandemic Uh, and as we know these two clubs are along with PSG are best insulated against the pandemic
2: because of their ownership just quickly does anyone want to break any Harry Kane news while we're here inside scoop (laughs) why leave it for the paper eh no (laughs) Uh, up next uh, there will be an inside scoop next on Harry Kane I think he might be making uh, the England squad for the Euros just about up next we'll talk about who might miss out stay with us So England face Austria at Wembley next on Wednesday before they host Romania on Sunday as they finalize their plans for the Euro 2020 campaign. Uh, Firstly, the England manager, Gareth Southgate, needs to cut down his squad by seven players. That will happen on Tuesday. Uh, Those of you listening on Tuesday, it may have already happened or Wednesday, of course. Uh, Matt Lawton, do, do you think there are big dilemmas facing Gareth Southgate or will he know exactly who will and won't be making it?
4: Uh, th- th- there's one massive one which is Trent Alexander-Arnold. Um I, I I would I would take him every day. Um I don't care how good a season Carl Walker's had, I don't care how well um uh the other sort of right backs have been doing. Yeah, Reece James is certainly in the team for me, but I would absolutely take Trent. Um he's one of the best strikers of the ball in Europe and you know, in those tight situations, in, in 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 big games, in in a major championship, you know, I, I think it's yeah, there's there's high expectations for this England team, and and rightly so. There's some real talent, and it's one of the most exciting England teams I can remember. And been in and around England for oh blimey, how long is it now? Uh, Twenty five years. God, Deco, years. how long is it? I know. <laughs> uh, and and. and
3: it feels like three hundred years at times.
4: It does. It does. It does, particularly when most of it's been on the road with you. Um, but um, but no, it, it, it's it's um, it's. I just think he's a player that you can, even if you don't pick him from the start, you can bring him on. You know, I was watching you know Foden was Foden takes a a very nice corner. We've seen that, saw that on Saturday night. But I just we're sort of team with people like Kane and 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 Maguire. Hopefully, if he's fit. Um, in the team, um, you know, we, we there is an aerial threat in that England team. Don't leave, don't leave him behind. Please don't leave him behind, Gareth. You've got to take him.
2: Anyone disagree? Should Trent be be left out of the squad? I think
3: that, I think the thing being a 26 rather than a 23 is is key. Um, because I think there is room for, you know, I, I see I see the debate. Um, but I, you know, I'm with Matt. I would take him. And I would definitely take him now. There's 26. I think you know. Um, I think that that those extra three spaces make it um, make it a no-brainer because he is the type of guy. I'm not sure he's going to start. Well, I'm pretty sure he's not going to start. I think Carl Walker will be starting. But um, you know, you can change a game um, from right back. Which you know, that's we've seen. Attacking attacking fallbacks are um, a key part key part of a game, and and he brings. As Matt says, not just that, but some some ball specialism as well. So, you know, I, I could I could definitely imagine his energy being thrown on in a game that England are chasing with with half an hour to go.
2: So, Tom Roddy, you've got Kieran Trippier, Reece James, Carl Walker, Trent Alexander-Arnold. Who do you leave at home?
1: It's always tricky because we've for years and years and years we've been telling players, young English players, to be bold and brave and and kind of go abroad and then then they do and they're not necessarily right in front of us or fans and so they don't get the credit that they that they deserve so kieran trippier is probably the one who is easiest it feels easiest to, to to brush to the side but he is part of an atletico madrid team uh, a Simeone defense, which which has won La Liga ahead of Real Madrid and Barcelona, and what an achievement that is. But I think he would probably be the one that I would I would leave behind. Um, having just said all of that, um, I think it, that game on Saturday night really showed how good Rhys James can defend. That was that was very important. Um, but I, I can't disagree with Trent, Trent because because of the his ability on the ball, because of the chances he creates. And, of course, the thing is, we I think Carl Walker will start as well, but the one thing that Southgate has been trying to do over the last year is bring in a, a plan B or a, or a different plan A, different systems to be able to play with three at the back. And if you play with three at the back, then it gives Trent that licence a bit more license a bit more protection to cover the area which he is slightly more vulnerable but it's worth having him on the pitch because for, for that very reason
2: the only thing that makes me think all four of them will go is if harry Maguire's injury is worse than imagined and he hasn't played the last few games of course he's been hobbling around with an ankle problem can england cope matt dickinson without harry Maguire? and if he's missing do do all go, in your opinion the right backs?
3: Well, I think I mean that is almost that's that's the biggest issue. Uh, I think it's uh, it's a huge issue. I mean, uh, you know, there's sort of rumblings of 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 slightly better news I saw um, over the weekend, but I, I think it's it's key for the squad because I think McGuire's absence is enough to make you question the whole system. I mean, do we, you know, your next best centre back partnership? You're probably looking at John Stones and Tyrone Mings, and and as a as a two in a four um uh, as an england fan i'm starting to feel a bit nervous um with all due respect to, to those guys um so you suddenly think wow do, do, is this big enough without Maguire that you have to look at a three and then if you're looking at a three then you've got to look at the the, the cover for that i mean conor cody i think can work brilliantly for england in a th- in a three uh not in a four because that's you know it's not how he's played for wolves I and mean, you've got to think about his mobility there so there's a lot of ramifications on the Maguire fitness a, hu- a huge amount and uh, so i you know I, I don't think it could affect the the back four scenario but equally the Maguire news could affect whether suddenly you're looking at a ben godfrey and does he you know does he sneak in as part of a 26 um he sent you know if if the maguire worry is enough um i think if maguire's going to be fit then that's that say that's that's almost gareth southgate's you know biggest um uh issue both in the finalizing the 26
2: and over the next couple of weeks still think jordan henderson's issues as well missing the last 16 games for liverpool will be a big one i know a lot of people talk about you know his leadership and his ability to to just be in the squad being a massive boost as well but if he's really not not at it physically for me, as a manager, with all the great players that you've got, you, you might have to leave John Henderson at home, which of course would make massive news, but all depends on what the doctors have to say about where he's going to be when the tournament begins. Um, as you two have alluded to, the two Matts, um, you've been covering England for for a long time. Um, Matt Lawton, where do you see this England group approaching the tournament? How much confidence have you got in
4: them? Yeah, I've got a lot. I, like, I look at the potential you know the potential scenarios and i think it's you know could be very difficult and and you know you can't rule out a, a, um a depressingly early exit um i you know, i'm not talking about at the group stage if if they don't get through the group that would be that would be you know given the talent that would be a disaster for, for southgate um and we, and would suddenly put his position in jeopardy i would have thought um but no the, the, it's a very exciting group um we have been here before, uh, where we've got very excited, particularly four, 06, um, because you know the, the individual talent was immense. but there, there's you know, with people like Mason Mount, with people like Foden, you know there is real flair and creativity and and, and, and ability and 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 look, the worry, as we've just been talking about, is at the back, I think I think, from Declan Rice going forward. It's, it, it's, it's, it's very, very impressive potentially as a team. Um, and it's just whether they can get them well enough organized at the back and not to be vulnerable to, you know, the best, the best forwards in Europe. Um, but I think they've got a great chance and, and, you know, there was a, even though it is going to be different because of, because of COVID, um, the fact that, the majority of the games are here. Um, it will. It will have. I hope that feel that we had in Euro '96, um, uh, where where the team gets carried or carried on a bit of a, a sort of a, a national wave of of sort of euphoria and excitement, and 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 it carries them to the latter stages of the tournament. Uh, they're, they're capable of it, of course. They are. Uh, it's it's you know, as I say, we got we got one of the best strikers in Europe. Uh, some brilliant players backing him up and um and as i say um, you know I, I even a fit henderson doesn't get in the team for me at the moment so um declan rice will be sitting in that position i'm quite sure and then um and then it really is what he does with that defence for, for, for the reasons that dicko just just touched on with maguire that, yeah maguire is a concern and and they've got to get that they've got to get that right
2: Matt Dickinson, how how easy is it to get inside scoops from the England squad right now? Tell, tell us what it used to be like. How you used to get stories from behind the scenes and and have things changed?
3: Well, the best way to get scoops is, is with is with an unhappy camp because there's always someone willing to bitch against the manager <laughs> or um, against his fellow players. So there's there's been eras that have been a lot easier than this. I mean, I have to say South. I mean Southgate's. Um, one of the most decent men on earth, but he's a nightmare as a journalist. Cause a, he's created this camp of, of, of harmony. He's created a real trust among the players. He sits them down and speaks to them like adults and basically says, look guys, this is, you know, this is your show. And if you guys want to give yourselves the best chance, then, you know, you don't go and tell your agents and your family what the team selection is going to be, or you don't go and, you know. Bitch around about you know this decision or that decision. You 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 take ownership. You take responsibility, and I think that's excellent uh, management. And it's a bloody nightmare for journalists because um, say it, 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 the job in some ways is I think on that sense has never perhaps never been harder. I mean they will say, I know plenty of eras. I mean I, you know I remember for example 2006 World Cup the the fag end of Sven's reign where. You know I mean it was sort of leak leak central basically, and you know this player would be telling you, you know I'm pissed off about this, and you should god you know he's a nightmare, we were staying in the same hotel as the families, and they were all you know gossip it yeah i mean you could you could fill the sports pages and the gossip pages all at the same time so um yeah it's it's it <laughs> it is a bizarre tribute to Gareth that this is um this is yeah a, a hard time to get um, to get that sort of scoop.
4: Hugh Sven always had a very formulaic approach, and he would always two or three days before every game the team would start training in formation. So everybody knew, um, uh, all the players knew um, who, who who was playing from if if the game was on a Saturday, probably from the Wednesday. It'd be oh here we go, yeah, it'd be eleven v eleven, and they'd they'd all work it out. You know it would be you know michael owen up front and beckham on the right and he would get all right okay this is the team and what that then led to um, was the players that weren't picked would be all oh, right i'm not in and then we would we would get to find out you know w- what the team was normally as i say a couple of days in advance I always remember um, you know hargreaves being picked for the opening game of the 2002 world cup and that was the big story owen I mean, hargreaves was starting um, and, and, um, um, and it's, it's, it's much harder now, you know, it, it, it's it, Gareth keeps things much closer to his chest, keeps, keeps the players guessing much more, but they have also drilled in, it was Roy Hodgson who really lost it with us when we, when we, we would write about what we thought the team was going to be, um, uh, ahead of a match. I always, I always took the view that if the opposing manager was picking up the Daily Star and and reading the eleven, the predicted eleven, and, and was basing his preparation on what was in the British newspapers. I always thought that was slightly reckless, but Roy got very upset about it. And if you remember, at that time Gareth was at the FA at that time, and I think became part of that culture. It was Roy and Gary Neville used to get really upset with us, and there'd be rows after press conferences. Going, I can't believe you named our team this morning, um, and and and. And Gareth's sort of taken that on and particularly with the younger players has really drilled it into them. You know, keep things tight. Don't be telling your agents, as Matt said. Um, and it's much harder to find out what's going on.
2: Do you think we'll see another long lens moment with a, with a team scribbled down on the the back of some paper <laughs> on uh, Steve Holland's clipboard this time around? There's been a few
3: long lenses from, you know, don't want to reveal <laughs> all our secrets, obviously, but uh, <laughs> yeah, there's um, there's been some interesting um <laughs> viewpoints that have been discovered down the years and again that's that's the other nightmare they they train obviously they're going to be training at St George's Park which is a bit like a um, yeah bits of it can be a bit like a sort of Fort Knox complex so um, yeah there's it's uh, you know I don't know if anyone's um Harder drone technology particularly to go and swoop over or what, but actually I'm uh, thinking about it. That's, That's not a shout was that man. Was say. I've, <laughs> I've, I've, I've suddenly had an idea and foolishly gone and blabbed it on a podcast. <laughs> I
4: know. I think we might lose our accreditation if we did that.
3: Yeah. <laughs> no one didn't. They'll have snipers to uh, bring down our drone or something.
2: <laughs> Do you expect anything like that during this tournament at all, Matt? Because if I ask you about maybe your biggest England scoop, um do, do you think we'll see anything similar to that
4: matt's right like what one one story that i sort of was really very lucky to get um uh w- was the product of an unhappy camp and that was 2010 uh and and it, people remember there was this extraordinary press conference with john terry where it was it was it almost felt like a coup and, and he kind of called capello out and um it was um, he was quite disrespectful to, towards Capello, questioned his authority. He'd obviously been stripped of the captaincy and wasn't very ha- wasn't a very happy camper anyway. Uh, in in South Africa, um, and I wrote a particularly strong piece criticising him, and it prompted him to call me the next morning, um, unhappy with the piece, but also. Cry, you know, it was quite weird. It rang me something. Well, what, what, what have I got to do to get you lot off my back, and what do I do to get out of this mess? And I said, Well, I think you need to issue a public apology. He said, Well, how do you do that? How do I do that? I said, Well, if you want, you can do it through me. You know, so so I was I, I was very lucky. It was um, he rang me on that particular time, but it, it, it comes back to Matt's point. Often the 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 the, the, the you know. The better stories come out the terms sort of the sort of the, the, the sort of bombshell news stories come out when things are going wrong um and and yeah pretty some tournaments are dominated by you know for instance two thousand and six was dominated by whether Rooney was going to be fit enough you know he arrived late he'd, he'd broken his foot um and um you know it, it was all about whether Rooney was going to be capable of um of of making any real contribution to a tournament. It, it, it's, you never know, like, you know, this one could be, you know, let's, let's be honest. It could be a COVID outbreak, couldn't it? It could be a, you know, it, it could be something like that, that derails, derails a team. Um, you know, th- th- every effort will be made. The fact is St. George's Park will be a proper bubble. Um, but you never, you never know. It could be, it's a bit like the Olympics later in the summer. It could be those kind of stories that break this time.
3: I think Gareth has got a happy camp. And you, I know that they've been stressing, um, I think, we, I did a piece in the Times a couple of weeks ago with, with Owen East with this um, sort of culture guy They've been working with him. And I think particularly with 26 rather than 23, that puts even more emphasis on keeping the camp happy. But there are some interesting selections ahead. I mean, Raheem Sterling. Is he getting the starting lineup on form? That's got to be in question. Marcus Rashford, you know, does he get in the starting lineup on form? So there are some, you know, senior-ish players who who might end up on the sidelines, which is, you know, isn't to say suddenly that means the morale falls apart. But Gareth himself has said the biggest or one of the biggest tests of the weeks ahead is going to be with a bigger squad, keeping everyone. Keeping everyone happy, keeping them on board. There will be three players sitting in the stands, twiddling their thumbs every match. You know they're not even going to make the bench. So that is um, you know, that sort of harmony is um, is all part of the of the challenge of management in a tournament. Not just picking the team in the right in the right place and sending them out with the right tactics.
1: Having covered all the England tournaments that you you guys have, what did you think when? Gareth made the announcement that he was going to do the provisional squad, sort of delaying. There was all this talk and and speculation about, especially over Trent and the decisions he has to make. And, and now it's just been delayed. Did you did you think that was a, a wise decision? Or I thought it was sensible. I could understand it. I mean, I do think it
3: was a recognition above all that it, this is less than ideal. I mean, the fact is that we're we've got two matches this week, which are going to involve not involve. The Champions League players, which is, you know, you've got k- absolutely key players like Mountain Foden, who to me are, you know, two of the first names on the team sheet, have to play, have to start, and they're not going to be playing this week. You know, it was a recognition of that. It was a recognition that Maguire, we've got this big worry about that we've talked before, that's a big, big worry. You know, Henderson's coming back, Grealish is coming back. So I think, you know, I understood it, but, you know, I think it has to be recognized that it was a it was a recognition by Gareth Southgate, that preparation, a lot of it for reasons he cannot control is is particularly difficult and unsatisfactory and you know um you just hope that as many of those issues can you know be resolved as possible
2: by the time uh, we're kicking off I do think there is a feeling that the media, the English football journalists, and the national team have not always been in harmony, and that has played a part in England and their performances in competitions. At least, it it seems to have been alluded to by coaches in the past, managers of England in the past. Tom Roddy, I just wondered. Look, I love sports journalism. Everyone listening to this, I'm sure, I'm sure does. What the newspaper reactions will be like if Trent Alexander Arnold is one of the team, uh, one of the names left out of the squad? You know, will we? Get that right from the off. What's Gareth thinking, and will that maybe play a part as we head into these games, and then of course the the opening match of the tournament?
1: Yeah, of course, I think so because uh, because of what we've we've spoken about throughout this whole podcast about Trent and what he offers. And the thing is, we've got to remember as well is when he was left out of of the the team, um, however many months ago it was now. It, it was understandable. There was, it, it was understandable at the time because he was having a really bad season with Liverpool. But that selection, it appears, gave him the kick up the backside. And ever since then, he has been absolutely outstanding for Liverpool. And, and Gareth has always said throughout his time as manager that he will pick his, his team, he will pick his squad based entirely on form. Um, now maybe there's a few tweaks to that. I think, you know, Jordan Henderson, having not played since the middle of February, he, he goes if he can because of his experience. Um, but he, he picks his teams on form and, and Trent, he is fortunate enough to have four right backs who are in fantastic form but but you can't you can't leave trent out of that and it's it's such a debatable subject um and it will upset a lot of people that we would definitely be getting into that from the off
4: the thing is you perform performance dictates everything in that relationship that you know you you just ask that question and and you know matt and i have, have been in at tournaments when it's been awful the relationship and 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 other ones when it's been and it's been terrific, particularly the last one. Um, um, it, it is it's completely dictated by performance. I, I do think that the the majority of journalists who cover England want them to do well. The fact of the matter is, it's brilliant when England do well. In terms of from, from a journalistic experience perspective, you know, it's yeah, Russia was fantastic uh, being on that being on that journey with them, um, and. It's all about performance. Yeah, it's it's it is when things go wrong that that relations become strained. You know, we talk about England scoops. You know, one of the ones that Matt broke, um, which was took me months to recover because I didn't have it as a story. It absolutely killed me. Was was and I've never forgiven him. But no, it was it was the It was the the threat of a strike. You know, the players strike before, you know, the final qualifying game of before Euro 2004, you know, on, you know, on the back of the Rio Ferdinand drug test ban. And you had, you had players, England players threatening to strike. That's got nothing to do with the relationship between the media and the England team. That was, that was to do with the relationship between the England team and the FA. And the players were very unhappy that because Rio had left the training ground and missed a drugs test, he wasn't—he he was getting banned. He'd been banned, and you had Gary Neville and, and and other players threatening not to play in Istanbul in that final qualifier. A story broken by Matt and one or two others, not by me, and and and. Oh, I, <laughs> That phone call at half past 10 still haunts me, you know, but, but, but it, it, it's. <laughs> to be fair,
3: you've, you've, you've got your fair share of retaliation in, since. So I'll, I'll oh, know. there's,
4: that's been my main motivating factor, Dicko. It's just been, 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 for revenge. I've been driven by revenge for 18 years. No, but it, it, it's, it's. That, that's the thing, and and w- 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 one of Gareth's great successes has been to create harmony. But he's shown he's he's also has shown you know strength of leadership. You know when the when they had that situation with Gomez uh, uh, and Sterling, you know that was strong leadership that to leave Sterling out of that next game. And and I, I I think he's you know again it will be dictated by performance. If they lose to Croatia and then get a draw against Scotland. Well, it ain't just going to be the relationship between the press and the England team that's the problem. <laughs> it's going to be everybody's going to be unhappy. So it's, it's, it really is, it's performance driven, that relationship.
2: Just before we go, I did want to give a special mention to Brentford, who won the playoff final, beating Swansea 2-0. They're back in the top flight for the first time since 1947. I just wanted to say every football fan needs to watch the film Moneyball, otherwise they will not get any of the references from the commentators on the opening weekend. Okay, So if you haven't seen it, you don't get the model at Brentford. You need to, otherwise it's going to go straight over your head. Um, But it's another West London side, Matt Dickinson, into the, the Premier League, you know? yes i know i'm actually
3: well I'm, you might see that i'm actually wearing a um my Q, <laughs> qpr retro shirt given to me last christmas by one of my sons um thomas frank actually i think he, he's just moved in around the corner um seriously i saw him um he's was he walks his dog past my house um most days and i'm gonna have to go up and shake him by the hand and and say congratulations which um say as a qpr season ticket holder is going to um going to hurt basically um i have warned him that the street is full of qpr fans which it is um so um whether whether it will be um getting a hard time when he walks uh walks past but now i i have to say even that aside they deserve it i think they've been a team that have been pushing at this door for for, for quite a few years now they they dare to be different. They've got a different, you know, the, um, the way that they um, go about their recruitment of managers, the way they try and inform it with, as you say, with the, the money ball approach is a sort of the, the best sort of umbrella title for it. The way that they, you know, at the time, I thought clumsily wrote about at the time, clumsily got rid of their academy, um, didn't handle it the best, but there was a rationale to it. They dare to be different. They dare to think, you know what? we're not going to produce all these kids to be nicked by the big clubs. We're going to try and take in kids at 16 to 18 and try and, you know, polish polish them up into players. So yeah, there, there's a lot of thought goes into There's a strategy and it's a strategy that's, that's paying off. I think they've played some good football. Um, yeah you know, I think it's great seeing someone like Tony you know sort of you know I love to see how he gets on in the Premier League. Um so yeah no fair play to them. I think uh, I think of all the playoff teams they um they they deserve it and they deserve
2: it for for sort of chipping away for for some time now. Tom Roddy do you think they've got enough next
1: season or how much do you think they need to build this summer? Yeah they deserve it but also they're ready for it aren't they because they've been building towards this moment. I mean you've you've seen um You've seen playoff finals over the years where a team has made it in like, say, Derby, for example, and been on the verge of being in the Premier League and look where they are now. Um, Same thing with Reading happened a few years ago, get to the the playoff final and then fall away. Um, Whereas Brentford, if it hadn't have happened this year, you'd have still felt like it could have happened next year, automatic or, or not they they're just they've they've been built the right way and I, it, was, it it was important for them that they went up because i think Ivan Tony would have been in the premier league no matter what it's also great to have a, a fresh new club in the Premier League. Um, the only thing is, six six London six clubs from London in in the Premier League is 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 quite astonishing. Um, it might benefit me and Dicko a little bit, but um, but it is it, a little astonishing. Going to keep you busy on the news front. <laughs> yes, yeah.
4: Can I just add, Hugh, on Brentford? I'm I'm really pleased for their fans. Um, my year started this this calendar year started right about a faction of Brentford fans um, that had developed uh, in the in in, the, in you know in the in the wider group that was really unpleasant that was um, you know organized uh, hooliganism racism Nazi propaganda really unpleasant group of Brentford fans but it was other Brentford fans who came to me with this evidence and came to me with this, um, you know, with, with the stuff that they, some of these guys are putting on social media and. The club reacted brilliantly. Um, they they've banned these people. They've they've driven them out of the club. They, they, you know, it was the, it was the other fans that, that you know, the right minded fans that didn't want them being part of their club, and and were responsible for you know, as I say, seeking out a journalist who then brought brought this to the attention of of, of you know the wider attention. The club dealt with it, and and I have to say, the club were even because. Yeah, the, the response to some of these guys was very unpleasant. They identified uh, a fan wrongly actually as being one of one of my sources, they sent him excrement through the post, threatened him, uh, and uh, I received some fairly unpleasant messages through social media. I got a call from the director of football at the club, never met the bloke in my life, um, but rang me up check. I was all right. Of course, I was fine, but, but I thought that was very decent. And I just think, for me, I, I took, Particular pleasure in that the other, the other night, but the other day, because I just thought for a set of football fans to police themselves and think, you know what, we don't want these guys coming with us on Saturday. And I just really hope they get to enjoy the Premier League next season. And those guys, they won't be there to enjoy it with them. And, 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 and I think that's great.
2: Absolutely couldn't agree more and, and yep the, you know it could have been that they went up to the Premier League last year and maybe their fans would have only got that that one solitary game so hopefully they do get to fill out their new stadium at some point next season and enjoy their team in the Premier League as well uh, Matt Lawton Matt Dickinson and Tom Roddy thank you so much for being with me on the game podcast for the last hour or so we'll be back on Thursday looking at uh, those England selections from Gareth Southgate and how they've performed against Austria but remember if you're enjoying the podcast firstly give us a fun- five-star review wherever you get your podcast from but make sure you are subscribed to the times and the sunday times you can get it across all of your devices and if you sign up today you will also get yourself a month free go online search thetimes.co.uk forward slash the game